Hello there, this is Richard from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Cormona to the show. I've got Paul, Stephen and Cork. How are we, lads? How are we doing? How are you? All right. I've got Robert and Martin in Canada. How are we doing? How's it going, lads? Good to have you on, lads. First of all, we go to the Canadians. Uh, what part of Canada are you over in? Canada, we're way up the north of Canada. We're in uh, the Yukon. Yukon? Yukon. Yeah. Fucking hell. And when did you move up there? Uh, I've been here about six years now, and uh, right. Robert came up there last month. Only a month ago? Yeah, so uh, I was in Toronto for two years, but okay. uh, COVID fucked the city really, really hard. So um, myself and the missus decided to get out and move up here for a month and see what's going to happen. Chill out for a while in minus 29 degree Jesus freezing. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Cold. <laughs> what kind of day is it here, lads? And they're just stunning, isn't it? That's gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, really good. Um, Paul, I think you have a bit of sunburn actually on the head there a bit. That's Stephen, is it? Me? It's me, probably. I'm going to miss it. Pick it up pretty quickly, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so lads, the reason why you're on the show is you've released a new album called Owen. Is that pronounced right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, and uh, we're here to talk about that. Uh, but for those that haven't heard of you before, there may be a few. Maybe could you just kind of briefly talk us through the history of the band and how it was formed? Um, I'm not sure. Is there any? Is there other two sets of brothers in a, a metal band? You could be a unique situation. I'm not sure. Yeah, something going for us at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've heard of another two pairs of brothers in a band. But... No, I don't think so either. <laughs> And not the three brothers and two sisters. Three brothers, two brothers, sisters. brothers and two sisters. Oh, the Kellys, yeah, that fucking yeah. metal band from Norway, was it or something? Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, the history. Should I do it? Yeah, go. Yeah, just speaks. <laughs> uh, obviously we know each other royal, and um, we'd be jamming away, and like sometime in the noughties, we said, "Fuck it, we should go have a crack at having a band," because like there's no reason why not, like because we just mm-hmm. happen have like a full band between us where were you all from lads well we're from bandon and the lads are from temple martin is north of bandon there oh okay right. so we would have all got to school in bandon okay so we're different ages like but we got to know each other because we're international and stuff you know over the years nice one. um but we'd be around the place like away in college or abroad or like i was working on country and archaeologists and stuff so we just couldn't really get a band together for years like i said i was in an eight or something we started yeah, trying to get them together, cool. doing kind of covers, and then we said we'd go whole hog and cop the idea of Corvona. And 2009 is when we got some songs together um, and for Kukuinux, the first EP. And it went on from there then, basically. Mm. And we started doing our first gigs around Ireland and, and motoring from there. And are you all self-taught? Music? Yeah, yeah, I suppose like I probably met Quinn there from like, he'd be showing me riffs and stuff. He'd have a few things figured out that I didn't get my head around yet. So I kind of got lessons from him and there's another couple of lads in town to be showing us guitar tricks and stuff as well. But for the most part, we're all self-taught, yeah. I, I did some, I did piano lessons when I was younger. Uh, I did them, I was about 18 actually, but uh, I haven't switched it since. Like in I started learning bass, bass of the lads when I was interested in guitar. So that was all self-taught in a way, like there's no sheet music there or anything. You picked up bass to play Corvona basically. Yeah, yeah. For the first time nice. I was learning how to play, like... <laughs> And Rob, what about you? Were you always into drums? 
Um, I'm self-taught as well, I suppose. I was I was forced to buy a drum kit by an older brother of mine. Uh, <laughs> he, he wanted someone to play riffs with. So yeah, I got my first kit when I was about 14 or 15, I suppose. And just uh, had to sit up in the shed and was just banging away, listening to to Borzum albums and trying to replicate the stuff he was playing on there, which was pretty simple at the start. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of how I taught, taught and learned, I suppose, by just, just listening to stuff and trying to replicate it at home. Okay. And I presume you were originally, as you said, doing cover bands. What was the push to use the traditional Irish language? When we all have like interest in the language, like, and it's, uh, I don't think we have any other example of a band who sang totally Oscar. Yeah. So that would crack off. It's Steve studies in uh, Gaelic school when he's younger, and uh, Paul's big interest in the language too. With you did a masters in Irish language, into ancient Irish. In and, order, uh, yeah. myself and Robert also like huge interest in language growing up and stuff. So it felt natural to kind of just do that and have a little bit of uniqueness to us straight away. If we could write in Irish, you know. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And over the years now, have you delved into it further? Are you? nearly full-time Irish speakers, if you, you could hold a conversation, no bother, I presume? So, some would be better than others, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> Get caught up in the grammar and stuff. Definitely from writing lyrics and stuff, the vocabulary is still there for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, conversation-wise, now it's hard to find a, a lot of people in Whitehorse to speak Irish with. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we're crack home. Paul and Steve now probably better conversationists than the two of us, I'd say, but... Mm. And have you gone to the Gale talked lads over the years, you know, when you were from teens onwards, no, or had you any interest? Like I Steve went to the Gale school. Mm. Like I okay. only started really getting into Irish in my twenties because mm. I always had terrible teachers like you know, so I didn't have any love for it back then. Oh, that's a great point. Hmm? That's a great point. I had a teacher who used to kick the shit out of most of us in, in Irish. That's really gonna get you into it like <laughs> Honestly, he turned me off Irish, man. It was fucking brutal. That's now Christian Brothers. So we had Christian Brothers from 1984 up to 88. And like a lot of them, a lot of the teachers who weren't Christian Brothers were alcoholics. And <laughs> the, rest of the, the rest of the Christian Brothers, you have to be fucking very careful on. You didn't want to be left alone with them. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, very, very similar for us in secondary school as well. Like, um, I'm sure we've all got a list in our pocket of fuckers we'd like to run to in the bar, like you know. But yeah, yeah. Thankfully, they're popping off one by one slowly now. So, I know. Yeah, it's fucking true. There's not many of them left. But yeah, that was my whole thing with the Irish, which is a shame. I, I think most most Irish people have that um, experience, right? That you you hit secondary school, and uh, it becomes very grammar driven, and it's kind of more the function of the language as opposed to speaking it properly. So it just turns everyone off. Like you ask anyone in Ireland, do they like to speak Irish? And they're probably not. Maybe when you're in primary school and you're learning the fun stuff, and you can have a little conversation. But true, yeah, that's a good when point. You're, when you're, when you're having to learn like higher level poems and like conditional verbs and shit like this. No, no one fucking likes it anymore. I mean, to read peg stairs, which in itself is. Incredibly boring, like. Yeah, that was it. We had peg stairs as well. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. It was kind of taught, you know, it was conversational Irish the whole time. The only thing that was the time we speak English is during the English class, like, and mm. that's just Irish as well, like, so. And it was encouraged in, you know, playground and that kind of stuff. So that's the only way to do it, like, to make it just second nature. So it's a, it, it's improved massively now as well, you know, for young people. It's not like our mm. experience. No, so I'm just hard. amazed there that Steve said that Jeed Peg Sayers, like, when did you do? Younger than that, I suppose. Um, so that fucking Peg Sayers was there for the whole time of my duration learning and onto yours as well, Steve. Yeah, so they obviously didn't 
change things up much. Like, but um, I guess it's a good example of uh, like historic example of stuff happening. Um, you know, dingle like, but it's uh, painful to read, and there's not much more to say about it. Like, yeah. watching all her sons die and people falling off cliffs and stuff is not entertaining. Like, that's something you need to learn how to say either or so. So some great turn of phrase for doom metal in there, also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how difficult um, was it to stay away from, we'll say, Irish mythology? Um, do you know what there some bands kind of use it, folk bands and Celtic bands use it. I feel sometimes it's kind of almost a gimmick. Um, yeah, yeah, I tell you, we do kind of use it, but we use it in a more subtle way. Like, I mean, any mythology from any country is kind of like a universal thing, so it's not different but Irish mythology. There's, there's mm. definitely references in there to all sorts of stuff, but we'll, we'll use it in a different way rather than like make it very obvious, like, you know, who called his big spear around out for an after kind of singing that, like, you know? Yeah. But you might hear about him like being a raven on the shoulder of the world or something for environmental problems or something like that, like, you know? <laughs> we, we do use it, but in, in kind of, yeah, subtlety, I suppose, is the way, right? Mm. Yeah. And again, we could all name kind of Irish Celtic bands and folk bands. Would you actively go out of your way to avoid being on a bill with something like that? No, oh, sure. We, we played, uh, we had a great tour there at Mail Mordor back in the day. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, That's a good example. Going with the lads like, and they like our stuff too. And um, we yeah, play with yeah, the tour. Yeah, the tour as well. Like, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, everyone's each, each in their own and all them kind of support each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's part of your DNA now. So, I mean, um, it's pretty cool. Like, you have a nice mixture of Black, Death, Doom, Sludge all going through the music as well. Um, what's the prevailing thought going into kind of one song? Is it more important about the riffs or is it like, how it's like a, a mixing brew really, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it's all dependent, really. I mean, we're kind of fortunate everyone chips in when we're writing, like those four different brains working away there. Yeah. So, I mean, we all have stuff we prefer, but we all come from a common background of metal music and music in general. So mm -hmm. if something sounds good, we'll try and chuck it together with someone else's riff or maybe someone's taught out something a little bit more and they come with something that's half finished and someone led to it. Or yeah. sometimes someone might have a whole finished song and we just all kind of arrange together, but it all kind of comes together naturally, really. I mean, that's the the benefit of knowing each other so well and just I know Quinn will have a riff here for this or Steve will have something there or I know Robert will jazz up this boring riff and put something interesting beef-wise behind it we can use it yeah. you know but yeah it depends like mm. In the writing of Owen how did you approach it compared to your debut album Dorlac? It says very similar again we're still kind of just all putting the heads together on it like um, I don't know if it was any, they, those songs have been written probably since just after Dar as well. So, yeah. all right, okay. Probably as old as Dar stuff has been hanging around for a while, waiting to, to come to fruition. But um, I don't know if we did anything majorly different, Les. What do you think? Or? The major thing we used the production this time. We got the production we wanted. The production was great the last time, but um, we didn't have it. We lacked a bit of power. Okay. So we're very happy to get like a nice heavy production, a really heavy that guitar tone and, and really heavy drum sound. This time around, you know. Um, how, that was with uh, track mix, was it, Michael? Yeah, with Michael above, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did a great job. Yeah. Did you admire stuff that he did with other bands that... We had heard of yeah, them. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I think he's known there now for getting good heavy metal tones, like, you know, and good drum sounds. Like, he's he's worked with Male Mortis stuff, I believe, before, and um, this is the Grand Lever and stuff after that, so they've got a really good sound with him. L lots of bands, really, anything that comes out of their sounds. Yeah, we heard. 
Yeah, fair play. Like, how did the songwriting process work? You, you said you even, they were old songs. How long were they around, lads? Were they around three to four years? Or I, I think we actually we we knitted the songs together up in Dublin Hill here. Actually, in our Richie's place, we used to have a room. Oh yeah, fifteen is it? Yeah, yeah it was. I think it was the summer of fifteen when um we all came together with like different stuff and just were jamming it like, and they all. The, the bones that came together then, but then it was a, year, a few years over after that that like the vocal ideas and everything would come down on top of it, and then eventually you've got to like stick it together into a narrative of the album, and mm-hmm. that probably took that's about three years ago, I suppose. That's where they come together. It's a long okay. process, like yeah. yeah, Jesus Christ. And again, how did that work with you, Martin? Were you over in Canada at that stage? Um, I think. What couldn't stop with there when we were in Dublin Hill? I was home that summer, so that's when we did a lot of the jamming on it. Maybe like we spent two months up in the in the band room. Um, and then like I come home every so often, like so I was home again for recording when we laid the drums down, then we take it away okay. and we came back again to guitars and stuff and vocals at the very end. Like so that kind of slowed us down too, people being abroad and stuff. Um mm-hmm. I think everyone's had a good stint of traveling in between the start of that and the finish of that. So yeah, it definitely slows things down, but with internet and stuff nowadays, you can get an awful lot done once once the drums have gone down, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Paul and Steve, did you have guys jump in for Martin when he wasn't around? Yeah, the whole way along we had uh, near the beginning, it was Ronan, Ronan Hayes. With, okay, Ronan Hayes. Like, yeah. uh, he was a bellness and he was uh, playing guitar for Throne as well. So um, he was around at the beginning for a couple of years maybe. And then um, I went away for a brief stint in a camper van and uh, around Europe and uh, Dave Lauren went learned everything and then by the time I came back he hadn't just, just had learned and that was it and then he used to come away to learn it there's no gigs like no yeah, Mark, sorry, yeah Mark from Sitzer yeah um, oh, we cool. also play in session inspectors with him he's been filling in recently mm. but there's been no gigs obviously that actually yeah. I mean gigs for a while we had a bit of a break before COVID and then COVID came along so mm. there's been no gigs at all obviously for a couple of years yeah, yeah yeah we, we had um, I just remember there we had Fatty from uh, Sitzer as well while he was still around, uh, just for one or two gigs up in Galway. Up in Galway, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. And when we were practicing recently, just before COVID, mm-hmm. uh, Steve O'Connell and Fruin, he was, um, we were looking to Jesus. have him. Yeah, when, that's when Robert headed off to Toronto. We went, We played a couple of big gigs as a three piece as well, didn't we? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Up in Galway once, and um, yeah, up in Dublin there one stage. So there are ways and means of doing it, like, you know, to, to mm. fill up the gaps, like, so. The new album. There's a concept behind it. Do any of you want to talk about it? How he came up with the idea? What's the talk about it? <laughs> <That's a big laughs> <one>. Nobody. <laughs> I can't remember how we started with the river concept specifically, but like we had the um, we had door, so we had like you know a nature theme already instigated and um, trees and yeah nature essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we were thinking it would be a good idea to um, have a different some other. I found this. Uh, in a second hand oh, store, yeah. I think that actually gods. a lot the river gods. So, um, with something before about um, oak trees and stuff for the first one, but we're thinking like a different element for this one, I suppose. But, um, the interesting thing about rivers in Ireland is they're mostly named after females, but a local one in McCroom where Robert would have gone to school is named after a male, so that kind of got us stuck into this kind of tract. Uh, at one point, it was all about him, but then it kind of went into different rivers around the country, so. It kind of kept growing as we started it and then the idea to start the album with like water trickle sounds and have it finish as it goes into the estuary and have it track the, the actual progress of a river kind of came as we kept playing with the idea, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I remember, um, 
What's your name, Michael? Um, up and track mix it. Suggested Zoom H1 for recording, um, which I think people use at gigs and stuff, but just to record like water sounds or any nature sounds. So I got it straight after we recorded. And a couple of clips are from, there's one from Scotland when I was camping there and a lot of stuff from Guggenbara, like so. Um, so yeah, there's lots of natural sounds throughout, like is it, it, mm. it continues in a full narrative, but you've heard yourself actually send it on to like so. Yeah, we have songs fixed from Gilgambara, as you said, like in Vanden River, and mm. just uh, a cave there where Robert was living for a year yeah. and things, things like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we listened to one of them. Uh, it's the opening track, actually. It's on Fjord. Is that pronounced right? On your, like the Noah River. All right. Okay, and uh, this will give people an idea of whoever went to the trouble of recording this. <laughs> That's the cave, is it? I presume. Yeah, that's what the man is. Home sweet home, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
That's um, a stunning piece of work, lads. There's so much going on. Cheers. Um, with with that, it's fucking incredible. Um, there's Celtic horns. Yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. used um, some samples from uh, like a Dardishel. Um, it's the old Irish bronze longhorn. There's some other oh. Celtics. I think they're called Carnix horns and stuff. So, mm. yeah, it was a bit of a chore digging out the samples of them and trying to tune them to the right place because we don't actually have the instrument, obviously. But yeah, they had a nice bit of atmosphere, I suppose. Ah, it's unreal, yeah. It's it just really kind of it's really ancient times, you know, and as I said, the cave and the just amazing. Like how how much were you influenced by the Shannos singing as well? Uh, we not particularly like we just kind of just sing in our own voices as cleanly and purely as possible, mm, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We try to use all the mm. skills we have, you know. So like Martin does vocals too. And the lads, uh, Steve Martin, would like trade heavy stuff from my Steve, stuff and Steve's trade the, like the singing stuff. Yeah. We just, um, yeah. We're not, yeah, we, we wouldn't really have a history of doing channel no, singing. It, it yeah. doesn't have the tropes of that, like the nasalization and yeah. no, the ornamentation. ornamentation like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, a bit of ornamentation, yeah, in fairness. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And was the vocals much of a challenge uh, laying them down for the album oh, itself? It. Yeah. It's really cool to get into the studio and getting really high quality vocals, especially heavy stuff here and not coming out in there is amazing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. So it's always, yeah. always all good fun up with Michael, like all recording. Mm. Well, yeah. that's important too. Yeah, very much so. I mean, the vocals, um, they play a vital role in influence the mood as well of the song. Um, not necessarily the instruments. I found that right through the album. It's really incredible. It's like, as I said, a, a, another instrument the way you, you do the vocal styles. Um, had you any kind of guidance in relation to vocal styles or again was it something you developed yourself? We've been going for 11 years now like so we've, we've always tried to do new things yeah. all the time like choral stuff and doing different harmonies yeah, and yeah. melodies and um, so it's mostly us yeah. just riffing away and trying to accomplish new stuff. Yeah yeah definitely. Like, we're, we're obviously influenced sorry by yeah. loads of bands and stuff but um, yeah, yeah well, I was just going to say like for for me you know, the like heavy vocals Starting off, I was um, liking your man's stuff from Enslaved, but then over time it just became, you just got kind of um, got into the shape of your own voice uh, and seeing what fit suits the best. Mm. Like so, but this recording definitely has the best combination of of um, clean singing and heavy vocals. Yeah. So everything's kind of fully realised yeah. at this stage. I like that was probably the I mean, best singing we've done basically. Yeah, definitely. And growls and screams and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you got Mairead McGuinness to do the amazing artwork again. Um, was that an easy decision? Yeah. 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 Once Mairead got on board, she's uh, pretty talented. Like, so, yeah. yeah. Once she agreed to it, it was, it was I mean, easy. I mean, it's obvious it's choice because our stuff has got, it's beautiful. It has a real darkness to it. Mm. So, um, we knew Mairead before anyway, so. Yeah, she was a gig. She was in, kind of an early follower on Facebook and stuff. And we would meet her at uh, oh, okay. St. Jimmer, because we made friends with so for her husband like so um and also even before we approached her she had like you know heron skulls and stuff skulls, in, the, yeah. in the artwork like so it seemed like an obvious choice even from that fact like there's a lot of subtlety in there as well so it, it kind of suits what we're doing because you see a picture that looks kind of beautiful but on the ground there's like a rib cage or something so <laughs> yes there's take, bones take the, or something yeah look to see it so it kind of fits mm. the mood perfectly yeah. you know the whole text as well did she come up with the text for the 
the album, you know, just even the way the lyrics are printed, it's it is beautiful. The whole thing is the whole packages are just um, a work really of art, did, really. Like, a series of pieces. She was inspired by the different songs, and we incorporated them to the art. Yeah. So it was Martin doing most of that. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm on about as well. Just the way the lyrics are wrote, it's like Celtic style of writing as well. How how hard was that? We always kind of wanted to have the, the translation of the lyrics there too, just so people can actually read what we're, we're talking about, even though we sing it all last week ago. But yeah. um, it is an obvious choice to write the, the song title out in Ohm and put it on either side just to separate it from like a graphic design point of view. But mm. um, yeah, just trying to lay it out nice and so. I mean, we all enjoy the albums when we were younger, like pouring over the inlay cards and stuff. And the, fact, the more information yeah. there, the more you, you see the album and actually read through as you're going along, you know? So. We just kind of wanted to get that feel as well. Yeah, you want to put an effort into every aspect of anything you're producing, like, so, you know, as in looking at the detail from down to the font, like we use the, was it Togoyana? Togoyana, yeah. Um, but that's what I was wondering what it was. What's it called? It's what font it's is it? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. font, like, it's the way they used to, people used to write, right. you know? Nice. No, no, I did graphic design myself, so I was just intrigued there, um, the way it was uh, put together. Like, having all the tracks done and dusted now is there any particular tracks i'll ask you all individually um what are your favorite tracks of the album you probably have different ones each of us wrote so. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> come on rob you're you're being uh, very quiet i know early. i'm very quiet here um yeah i'm quite one of the band uh, uh, i think that's <laughs> So drummers are mad. We know that. There's no, Liar. there's no fooling me. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it's probably Salon. Uh, so that was the the river that Martin was talking about with the um the male aspect attached to it. So this, male aspect, yeah. Jesus. So the um, it's it's a male river that is quite angry with people all the time, and it takes lives quite regularly. And that's the river that is that runs through McCroom. So I would walk across it every day when I was going to school. Um, and and going back to the River Gods, there you'd you'd see the actual the effigy on, on the side of the bridge there as well, which is pretty cool. You, you spot them on different bridges around Ireland. You'd have the River Gods attached to it. So in, in the River Lee, there you've you've got one just by the by the River Lee Hotel, there's one there just by the bridge. The banks there in Cork City. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a few around the place. So that definitely, I, I remember seeing that when I was younger, and then having to attach it to a song later on and, and kind of bring it to life musically was was great for me. And so that's probably my, my pick there, guys. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Mart? Uh, I don't know. For me, it's changing all the time. I mean, living and listening to these songs for so long, like, uh, it'll depend on the mood. Um, I suppose one I'm particularly happy would it be Lee. It's like yeah, a, yeah. a fast-faring <laughs> one. Uh, it's the stuff we've done before. So I think uh, the riffs we threw together from different lads there came came together nicely, and the vocals kind of sat really nice. And as also, I was very happy with that one. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you're a big last. Every other one, no. <laughs> um, I think the one I actually was going to say this earlier because it's it's a good point to make. But the, um, the track we listened to in your, um, I want that that one. A lot of those riffs were mine, and I, I kind of wanted to do like a three sisters thing. So we try we we try to amalgamate like three different types of song together, but the way the the riffs were necessarily didn't work that way initially. But we we got to work and we we did in such a way that so like when that song ended, we listened to you can hear vocals about kicking. So I guess in a way like yes. that was one big big track that we split in three, called mm. Trojan Forca. Yeah, and then there was like references vocally to Trojan Forca in it. Like so, um, that's a good one because it's just. It's got like as you heard there, like this not very metal sound, but it's a very mystical 
and then kicks into something that's got a really big build up and then it's got like a really like a, the last parts fast riffs and you know yeah on barrel yeah. that part is one of the ones that's really yeah. out now as a single so um so i got three in yeah. one so you picked all of them did you yeah. i did you <laughs> <laughs> the whole lot sneaky yeah. bastard. I'm not gonna pick my own, so I'd pick um on Shannon, the Shannon River. Um because I could okay. pick any of them like Martin was saying there, like I mean they're labors of love, you know. Um it's like your children. It's hard to pick one, but uh, that's an amazing feast and it's a really long development with I was really happy with the vocal sections and that too, and with some beautiful um leads and melodies going through it. Oh, that's the one I go yeah. for. Finish it off. Fair play. In relation to uh, the label, did you sign to what was it called? It's called Satana. Satana uh, Records. Yeah. 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 How'd that come about? Uh, so, well, we, well, one of the reasons why this record is so late, uh, one of them is COVID, mm. because uh, it was actually ready to mm-hmm. go like a year and a half ago. And um, that's when we sent out the labels. Um, I mean, we just wanted uh, to go on to the next room in the ladder or whatever, just get a, just a bit of progression. So um, we were just looking for their support from labels and they had the best offer that came in. So that's, we went with them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're um, a Russian label from St. Petersburg. Ah, okay. Distribution-wise then, are you going to go for, at the moment, is it just digital or will there be CDs and vinyl, the usual? There'll definitely be CDs anyway. Like We're, we're just working on finalizing yeah. that now. So they should be ready, you know, a month or a bit maybe. But we're also looking at, you know, the possibility of vinyls, obviously. And and like a friend Mark mm-hmm. really got me onto getting cassettes, like because mm-hmm. for precision inspectors, that just flew out the door for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the CD is, is available in pre-order, like from Satanas at the moment. And their label, they're releasing it in conjunction with, is a Spanish label called Negranit, um, Plan E. I'm not sure to pronounce it. So... It is actually yep. available now. That'll be just the Dewey case uh, CD. We're, we're going to do okay. um, a, like a Digifile version of that, um, which should be available next month sometime. Mm. Yeah, that'd be nice as well. Um, as I said, I'm old school. Jesus, what I wouldn't give now to have that uh, your album there now on vinyl, um, especially with all the artwork yeah. as well. Yeah, look good on vinyl. Oh, like it's, it's, you know, scaled up. It, it certainly would, yeah. I sure I look, I mean... We're hoping to do a vinyl down the road a little bit, but um, we'll get to yeah, the of course, yeah. and see how that goes. Yeah, there's always the fucking costs and everything that goes yeah. with that as well. Yeah, we're figuring out uh, T-shirts as well, um, actually. I don't know, I don't think you mentioned that, like, but um, looking into a couple of different... Like, because there's so much artwork we can use from Marais, uh stuff and the, the colour yeah. and put together, like, so... Um, kind of spot for choice there, but it also makes it more difficult to figure out, like, what's the best one to, to start with. So, um, but that, that's definitely on, on the cards as well. Like, It's a great time, lads, um, for Cork Metal in general, um, with the grief that you're part of, lads, and for Rune and Suits there now, Echoes of the Earth as well. So what are your opinions on the scene? With the Canadian lads, sounds <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, actually, yeah. It's, 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 Cork, uh, lads. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long time coming, I suppose. I mean, like we've been gigging for whatever ten years or so and little small venues and venues closing down here and there. So it the fact that it's still going strong and that we've got four pretty big bands re- releasing stuff now is is amazing. Like because you think with COVID knocking stuff off that it would have pr- 
completely kill the scene. But it's, it's obviously apparent that there's there's boys still there making music, and maybe COVID helped that as well. That you're if you're stuck inside your room and all you're going to do is write some riffs and and get them put down. Like, but yeah, it's the the scene is definitely probably stronger than it has been in the past fifteen years or so. I'd say. No, we were together for however long and the Soothsayer boys been there for so long. It's not just a mm. band that pops up for a couple of years, plays a few gigs in Freds and then fucks off and disappears. Like yeah. there's a bit more backbone to the scene now. So hopefully we can flesh it out and like the younger guys will see what we're doing and what we have been doing and maybe a few more bands will pop up as around us, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Steve and Paul, I mean, you're more close at hand with the grief as well. And... Faroon, John, shout out to John as well. Y'all have released now into this COVID fucking vacuum. What are your thoughts on it? It's not ideal, right? But um, it's better than going into this. For example, like we had the drums already done, so we would have been fucked at Robert in Toronto otherwise, for example. We actually had everything yeah. done. Mm. And we actually have yeah. some more material left over from that session that we can use. You know, That's a good position to be in because you're, you're ready to release them during uh, the lockdown and all that. It was the same for all the bands, actually. Mm-hmm. So we get kind of lucky that way because um, there's only so much you can do digitally, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So that's a good thing. Now, it'd be fucking great if we could all play some gigs again um, with everybody knowing mm-hmm. the songs and everything. Cause we've been playing these songs for a while yeah. uh, in Corona, like people not knowing them, you know? Um, that's the yeah. next stage. I'm sure we'll get there. Um, just looking forward to that and be mm-hmm. able to, to push things like that. But look, it's still good, isn't it? Like, we can still release the stuff. We can still sell it. Um, and we can yeah. still sell merch and we can still do social media. There's there's this there's things you can still do, you know. Yeah. Mm. So who's the social media guru? Oh, for fuck's sake. The four, <laughs> the four of us are equally <laughs> bad at it. We're as good as one band member from another one. Okay. Mm. We all, we all yeah. it's a hippie commune, you know, we all get them all the stuff. Same on social media. Um, I was just saying there, um, Back, like again with G playing with the grief. What about over with G lads? Is there are you still um, gigging with anybody, or is it just are you just staying? Well, not in Canada, really. Just playing away, like writing riffs and stuff, and just practicing in the bedroom. It's not really there's no one really to play with up here. There's not much really. My horse is a small enough town here, like you know. So uh, it's very hard to travel with a drum kit on your back as well. So <laughs> I have <laughs> properly in quite a while, you know. <laughs> Uh, it's probably easier for the lads you can play a guitar in your bedroom and not upset anyone but setting up a full kit with all your cymbals and double bass pedals it upsets the neighbours generally you know it travelled across with you anyway Rob did it the kit no I, I, I brought a couple of I have a bar on that I kind of mess away on nothing nothing too major like but um, yeah I haven't played on a full kit now in a while so just work, working on my percussion side of things and working on my vocals you know so the next yeah. one will be very experimental <laughs> <laughs> and did you buy anything marked over and ink that uh, gear. I've got my guitars here and stuff and I'll play in right away. And like with the internet now it's easy enough I can swap riffs with Stephen Paul there pretty easily and we can add ideas to it. And mm. we're trying to we have a stockpile of riffs ready to go, like you know, and like Paul was saying there, there's probably three tracks with drums already recorded as well. So there's enough material for an EP straight away if we just put our heads down to it. But we might flesh it into something else as well, we'll see. The Quins there have collaborated a few times with bands. Paul, you contributed to the Bogs of Augusta. The did you? Yeah, sure we know we've not run for years actually, sure fucking we know. We went to gigs back in the day. And uh, yeah, I did, um, that was the most shanowest thing I've done. Yeah, some vocals on on Mm. that album. Um, I I mean, we've done probably enough collaborations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, um, there's nothing else on the the cards anyway. I think people have released most things anyway. They just want to be getting out gigging again and and pushing it that way. Yeah. 
the only mm. work at the moment is there's a few uh, new possible grief and um, songs mm. you know uh, John constantly working away in the background there and we have a few things here like that we've, we've been working on like so um, and we said there's already stuff for Corona but with other bands not specifically I guess the other the, the downside of COVID is the fact that we're not meeting up with people like let's say up in the band room um, yeah exactly so um, you know I mean we, we could do it but you'd have to go and reach out to somebody and say let's you know let's start something and you know, yeah, with the contacts, yeah. everybody's got more stuff coming, and I think Mark from Precision Inspectors has more music as well on, on, the, on the way, like, with nobody new. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So when is the album coming out, lads? It'll be today, once, if you're releasing us on the 16th. <laughs> so hopefully everybody's yes, already listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to add to the conversation about the album? Apart from fucking buying it, obviously. <laughs> Buy everything involved with it, all the t-shirts, all the vinyls, all the cassettes. Mm. It's a fantastic effort in in every way. I mean, you left nothing behind by the sounds of it, which is like, which is what you probably wanted to hear anyway. There will be a lot of interest with it, I'd say as well. Is it probably the record label and yourselves now to get reviews in or have you worked on that already, getting reviewers to review it? The name is again, Negra Plan Y or Plan E, um, Spanish uh, yeah. sub-label, I guess. Um, they've already gotten like uh, promos out there for us. And you can see it, it hit the different websites and um, we gave them a, a review for one, like a, or sorry, an interview answers for one. So the yeah, process already started and I'm um, going to send out a promo to um, various websites and stuff shortly. So um, yeah, that's, that is something. Yeah, I think the labels are doing their, their side and we're, we're doing our side as well because we have a different set of contacts. Yes. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, lads, so that's it. I just wish you all the best with the new album. Owen. And <laughs> send you back because your brother is in my start You've been listening to Paul, Steve, Rob and Martin of Corvona. Thanks a million for coming on the show, lads. And again, if there's any more I can do for you, uh, promotion wise uh, please hit me up and uh, as as well and again congratulations so that's it everybody and uh, hit subscribe if you like the show and please god we will somehow or someday see Hormona play Cork in Fred's that's a lovely thought we'll get the lads back from Canada as well it'll happen alright <laughs> cheers lads